Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with Najahi Events. More about them later. Okay, what have BMW, Allianz, Microsoft, Goldman Sachs, and the international royal class all have in common? Well, at one point or another, Sebastian Hoot has worked for all of them. And because of that, he has a front row seat to the best minds in business, finance, and banking. Sebastian is my guest on the show today, a speaker, a blockchain entrepreneur, and a crypto coach. Sebastian is co-founder and partner of the BIG Blockchain Initiative Group based in Abu Dhabi, which helps set up blockchain and digital ledger technologies, infrastructures in cities and countries around the world. Well, that was a bit of a mouthful, wasn't it? As an early investor in Bitcoin, he has spoken to hundreds of people about the difference that blockchain and crypto will make to the world. He joins us on the show today to discuss ways blockchain technology is going to touch, change and improve the life of every human being on this earth, especially in the developing world. Without further ado, let's welcome Sebastian to the show. Cue the music. Sebastian, thank you for joining us on the show this evening. I appreciate you taking the time. And more importantly, my audience are going to appreciate talking about all things crypto. Because to be honest with you, the world is changing, isn't it? It is. Hello, everyone. It's uh, turning into a crypto world. It's been interesting seeing the development. You know, crypto is, I suppose, 10 years, 11 years old right now. I was just talking to someone earlier that said, I've been involved in crypto for the last eight years and so nearly all of its life. And yet I'm sitting here and it's only just beginning. And tonight I want to talk to you a lot about crypto. I want to talk to you about NFTs and what the impact is of that. And a lot of people still have no idea what that is. Also about the tokenization and stuff and, and also why you've got involved in it, what you've done, how you're teaching people to understand it better. So maybe if you could do me a favor and just for the next 30 seconds, introduce yourself to everybody and tell them what you do. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've been, well, my name is Sebastian. I, um, I'm German, live in Germany. Uh, I travel a lot. Uh, in the last 20, 25 years, I've traveled to over, traveled, lived and worked in over 65 countries. Um, been, you know, sometimes I felt a bit like uh, Forrest Gump getting around, uh, meeting and working with and for some of the most, um, some people would say the most prominent, important people on the planet, including some dozens of, uh, you know, head of states, whatever. But it doesn't matter. I got into crypto in um early 2013 so it's about nine years now uh i bought uh, my bitcoins at, at the rate of uh at the price of 66.99 us dollars um i didn't really do much with this for the first few years and then um all of a sudden everything exploded and i um you know people asked me can you can you talk about it because there was nobody there and so i started talking to 10 people then 20 then all of a sudden 50 100 500 and a thousand people and then from Germany, all over Europe, all over the world, everything went crazy. I was never looking for it. I just went with the flow, uh, like Forrest Gump. And then, um, you know, I just um, thought it was a great place to be. And I started giving uh, talks and workshops all over the world, uh, educating people about it, how to get in, because that's one of the things that's lacking, education. And um, in about uh, three years ago, I started thinking, okay, now it's the time to do more with it instead of... Um, just sitting and and sitting on your crypto so i started um helping and setting up uh, crypto infrastructures um in in different places um in in the uae and in other parts of the world and so yeah so i'm this is what i do so i met a guy called uh, meta covid recently he was the guy that bought people's um, 69 million dollars worth of nft art in april of this year and when, when i was talking to him on the show he's a crypto billionaire i said how did you get into it he said I saw it, I was reading about it, and when I was talking to people about it, they were laughing, saying, that's never gonna happen, that's never gonna take on. And when I, when I saw them laughing, I thought, there's gotta be something in this. So take me back to the time that you first started to buy Bitcoin and how you got into it. Um, you know, I, it was about 15 years ago, it must have been in 2005, 2006. It was, um, uh, you know, I come from a very, very um, normal, working class background. Um, I, you know, grew up in a small village. Father was a nurse, uh, father was a policeman, mother was a nurse. Um, they're pensioners now. So I never really had any, any, any money really. And I never really cared. But then about 15 years ago, I don't know, out of the blue, as if somebody had switched something in my head, I all of a sudden started thinking about, okay, something is, is, is changing here in this world. And um, I don't want to be uh, and I, you know, I want to protect all the savings that I have in um, because I knew something was kind of out of control. 
And then um, because of the fact that I had been working for some of the most prominent people, um, I started asking like, okay, what's really going on here? And they told me, no, you better get ready because something is uh, is coming. The financial system isn't really as good as it, as you always might read it or, or not. So, uh, you know, I got into um, precious metals um, 2006, 2007. I remember very well I went to the bank uh, in Augsburg, Germany. And then I said, I want to buy some gold, uh, some gold coins. And then the, the guy behind the counter, he looked very suspicious as me like what do you want to get gold and I and I was like oh and he said you're a collector and I was like yes I'm a collector um, but I didn't tell him the story that I was worried about the global financial system and then um, about two years later Lehman Brothers happened and during that time um, precious metals did very well um, as I was hoping to because of, you know people told me about it and then uh, in the aftermath of uh, Lehman Brothers and everything um, you know, stock markets crashed, everything went down, you know, you know, lots of banks went down and everything. And then after a few, a few years, everything normalized again. But then out of those um, almost collapse of the financial system, um, you know, Bitcoin emerged all of a sudden. And then the same people that that talked about, you know, get yourself ready with precious metals said, look, there's a new kid uh, on the block and you might want to look into this. And then I was uh, reading about it. And then, you know, you sometimes you're busy and sometimes not. And then and then I felt, you know, I really need to do something now because I had missed a lot of um, investment opportunities of my life since I wasn't really, you know, interested. You know, I never bought any shares of Amazon or Apple or whatever, you know, so that was the first thing I did. And then I decided to buy my first Bitcoins. And it was a, such a drama because there was no education. There was no nobody telling you anything about it. I just registered with this German exchange and there were so many new words I had no clue about. And I was just navigating through it and all of it, you know, and I was really worried because it was um, you first had to send your money to somebody and then you would get your Bitcoins in return. And I was like, oh, no, hopefully they get there, you know, and then they did. And then uh, I was really happy. So that was that was the time in 2013, 2012, 2013. Did you have any friends or any associates that you knew at that time that were doing the same thing? Or were you really kind of on your own when you were getting involved in it? I was completely on my on my own. There was nobody else there. When I started talking people uh, to people about Bitcoin, because um, there was no other cryptocurrency back then, um, you know, they, they were very suspicious. Um, like 99.9% didn't even know about it. But the ones that did, they, you know, everybody was like, oh, yeah, you know, keep on talking, you know. And um, um, and over the years, and I, I, you know, I really felt from from what I knew to be true that um, that this was going to be a big thing. You know, I, I felt this from the beginning still now. Can't explain why and how, but I just felt it. And I could be wrong, but this is, you know, so... Um, you know, over the years, you know, I told people, I think, you know, you better look into this. I think this is going to change everything. I think this is the future. And and some people listened in the beginning. And these people, they're very happy that they listened. And a lot of people were very um, uh, cautious, um, suspicious, because you heard a lot of negative things still now on the news about, um, you know, criminal activities, money laundering, you know, ransom, this and that. So people, were, every time you mentioned it, they were like, mm. If we wouldn't know you any better, we would be very worried about you, you know. And then um, it must have been uh, early 2017 after again, you know, when I bought at 66, that was in um, March 2013. And then it went all the way up to um, about a thousand, just over a thousand at the beginning of 2014. And then we entered the bear market and everybody said, okay, well, we told you it's a bubble, you know, like, you know, so it was people were laughing at me and then you know really people i think in a way also people were happy that you know that they didn't miss out that chance and that i was wrong or something so um in a way that was you know they didn't feel you know didn't feel comfortable but you know i stayed with what i knew and i said look you know wait for it sometimes you just have to have a long breath and it's uh, you just have to be patient and then um it was a very long 2013 and it was a very long 2015 um but then things started picking up again and and I remember very well um early on the, on January 1st 2017 uh, it turned $1000 again you know that all time high again and then um the same people that you know that you know that I'd been associated with and friends and family and co-workers and stuff they you know they came to me and they said so what do you think 
And I think I think it's going to be going at least 10,000 by the end of the year. And they were laughing again. You know, I said, oh, forget it. Come on. Did you learn your lesson? You know, it's never going to go there. It's a big bubble and nobody's going to let it go through. Everybody's going to shut it down. Forget it. And then at the end of the year, nobody was laughing anymore. And then when everything crashed after it reached that 20,000, um, it was kind of weird because um, people again lost face in it you know they were like oh we told you it was the bubble okay first time you were lucky and now it's again it's just forget it you know and everybody lost the interest like everybody around me there was you know maybe not even a handful of people that still believed in it so 2000 um what was it 2018 was a really long year in the crypto space and and during this year especially in the beginning i thought you know Instead of just being, you know, pessimistic about it, instead of being, I want to do more with this. You know, I want to, I want to go out there and, you know, educate people, give, give workshops. And I also want to go into the whole infrastructure thing. Cause, um, I remember early in the early nineties, you know, I was born in 76. So, uh, in the early nineties coming out of Eastern Germany, not knowing what the Western culture was, you know, um, you know, we didn't have a clue, you know, there was no DVD, there was no nothing. And then, um, and, and I remember in the early nineties, they were talking about, uh, you know, there were credit cards and all that. And I remember when we had American express and JCB or something from Japan, but there was no visa or barely and no mastercard. And when they sort of started taking over, I always thought like, Oh, I wish I would be part of the system. Wouldn't it be nice to be part of this somewhere setting something up and then i remember that in the early uh 2018s and then i thought you know i want to do something about this and then um you know one thing led to another and then all of a sudden um i had a, uh, this big talk in um in dubai early 2018 um also with najahi um and then people some people contacted me afterwards and um and then we started um you know founding a company here and then all of a sudden uh everybody was um well, not everybody was interested in it, but I really felt this was something that needed to be done, especially during the times when things are quiet. You want to set it up. And then now everything is going crazy, as you know, about crypto. Yeah, it has gone crazy, hasn't it? Now, you talk about blockchain technology as the third path. What do you mean by that? When I look at what's what's happening in the world right now, you know, and I don't want to go into any, uh, you know, conspiracy or something like that i but i do think that things go really wrong right now you know and i've been um you know watching the globe very carefully i've always been politically and financially interested and reading things and you know since i've been to so many countries i don't only read what's happening in germany in my language and not only in the mainstream media but also in alternative media i always tell people look you know make up your own mind you know do your own research don't let the media feed you you know connect you know compare what's what's happening and not everything that's said in the mainstream media is wrong and not everything uh, that's uh, said in the alternative media is is uh, is right and uh, start comparing not only in your country but internationally and this is this is what i did and what i found is um, you know while everybody is you know just wanting to have a normal life have their jobs have their families have their income and just enjoy life um i felt that there are so many problems that um have arisen over over the years and especially in the in the world of um um the the banking and finance and how the world is um has been run and i uh, some of the things i don't really like at all and i thought you know i want to change something here i i don't want to take this as a status quo and um you know be be happy with how things are going what i what i observed over the years is um there's always been movements um of of people um going against something you got people you know for the climate change or something like occupy wall street and there's always been in this whole talk about the 1% of the world's population and then the 99%, it felt like there was a, a division being created, a division between um, all the, you know, the, the fortunate few and all of us, the rest of us, you know, the, the, the suffering ones, you know, like, oh, the, you know, the 1% have so much wealth and the, everybody else doesn't. And uh, in a way, that's true. You know, I think that's that's totally true. Um, I don't think uh, it is acceptable that um, the entire world is uh, living in, in uh, or, you know, a lot of people in, in many countries all over the world are living in, in poverty and, um, and, 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 and in war and destruction, while the Western world is still 
even though there's no official colonialism anymore, they are still looting the countries through private companies or corporations and stuff like that. So I think there's still um, uh, kind of a division in there. And while some people are always trying to be um, this on this side and some people are always trying to be on that side and, and there's a lot of fighting. And then when I, when I look at the division between um, the, the income um, that has grown wider in, in, in Germany, in Europe, in the United States and many other countries, um, I don't think that's a, that's a healthy uh, uh, direction. And when I when I saw what when where Bitcoin came from, I I really I really saw and felt something was different here. Um, and while um, you know, in in two thousand eight, the um, there was uh, there was this German Minister of Finance, Mr. Steinbrück, and he went in front of the cameras with Chancellor Merkel, September two thousand eight, during Lehman Brothers collapse, um, and he said, "Oh, your your savings are safe." And everybody believed it. About five years later, he was interviewed about just that. And he was out of office then. And the interviewer asked him, so remember those days? Like, why did you say that? And do you, would you say that again? He said, well, um, we didn't have a choice because um, there was a major bank run on the way in Germany, all over Europe, all over the world. People were actually taking their money out of the banks. And um, and he said, if if we wouldn't have tried to calm people down, things would have gotten worse. So this is what they did. In a way, I do understand it. He said, um, we would we were never in the position to actually even promise things like that because it, it, there was no backing for any of that. And um, so when Mr. when Mr. Steinbrück talked about that, he said one thing that I will always remember. He said it was a matter of hours back then. And um, you know, the interviewer asked him, why do you mean that? He said, well. If we wouldn't have gotten together, like the, all the Minister of Finance or whoever got together from G, uh, G20 countries and were wrong, if we wouldn't have gotten together um, and agreed that we needed to provide liquidity to the freezing markets, um, everything would have died within within hours, really. So they flooded the the central banks, flooded the markets with hundreds of trillions of US dollars, you know, and um, and only because of that, the financial system back then was held to be alive. Um, and it's still dangling by a threat and things have gotten much worse in, in 2008. Um, but coming back to that thing, I believe, and, and this is not what I'm saying, but, but people know, is the, the reason why we came to that abyss in, with the whole financial system is because of what's been happening in the financial system for the last decades. Uh, a systematic um, uh, fraud, systematic manipulations. And um, and and people, nobody knows about this. You know, the big banks around the world, we're talking about dozens and hundreds of them have been manipulating and rigging every single market there is. And nobody knows about it. The financial authorities, they find them. They they say, OK, sorry, you did this. And now you have to pay a fine. They pay the fine and they do it again and do it again and do it again. So I felt like there was a major or there's been a major manipulation going on. And it's just continuously and when when a like a little person in dubai or in germany is is doing something illegal with whatever tax evasion or money laundering they have to go to prison or even worse you know so um well not whatever but when i when i talked about the the third path it's like they were massively trying to hold things together and really trying to keep the grit on and how everything is going and still now up to this day and uh, and who is the one who has to work this all out. Who has to pay for this? Is this the majority? It's us. And so when when I said I feel Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, blockchain is the third way, it's almost like while one party is trying to hold things into place and the other party is is you know trying to fight it, it's like these these two oppositions and this this separation just really knocking on each other. It's like crypto does what it does and it comes comes through the it's the third way comes through the back door and just erases everything. And uh, and it's like the the the, the bankers and the, the big banks like I remember three, four years ago, they were really fighting it and really bad mouthing it and were completely against it. And now they're jumping on the bandwagon because they know if they if they don't react and if they don't, you know, take the opportunity, they will be gone, you know. And so I really felt that uh, Bitcoin cryptocurrency is the third path that will uh, eventually change a lot of things in the financial system. Um, who knows if it's actually going to succeed? But I really do think that something is happening. And from the speed how things are accelerating right now, um, I think there's a good chance. When you look at the amount of money that's being printed in 
Eurozone and in the United States, we blame that printing of money on inflationary issues that exist right now. And we see inflation having an impact on people's spending power of their money and the banks not offering any real interest on savings. Traditionally, some, some nationalities lean into gold as a store of value, as the place to put their money if it can't be, if it can't be in the bank, as a safe kind of place. But nowadays, more and more, the crypto experts are saying, look, Bitcoin is a store of value and it's a better store of value than gold. Do you agree with that? Um, and if you do, why? I, I agree with that partially. Um, I think crypto is, is way too young to determine how it's actually going to react in a, in a kind of recession or currency reset or something. Um, I, I do agree with the fact that a lot of um, um, banks, even central banks, like I think recently the Central Bank of um, uh, Singapore said that, you know, crypto is the new store of, uh, um, you know, of value for the, for the future and might replace gold. Um, but, you know, gold has been around for thousands of years, you know, so... Um, we have a saying in, in German, the dead live longer, you know, the or the ones that are supposed to be dying or supposed to be dead are living longer. So let's see. I don't know. I, I think there's a possibility that both can coexist at the same time, um, like gold and precious metals. Um, however, um, the, the good thing about, you know, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is that if you want to buy a ton of gold and it's sitting in a warehouse and in Brinks and in Switzerland, um, you don't have to send a truck with uh, security and armor to and to to get it from there to send it somewhere else. Um, you just have to, you know, you just have to have a crypto wallet and then within a flash of a second, it's it's there on on the other side of the world where it's um, where where it needs to be. A lot of people invest money and have invested money over the years without really understanding what they're investing in. You know, I've been in financial services for 30 years and most people aren't that interested in where the money goes. What they're actually interested in is the result, the outcome. And a little bit like, I don't know, if we go buy a steak in a restaurant, do we need to know what the cow's name was? Do, do we care what it was fed? Do we care how it died? And do we care where it lived? Invariably, we don't. We just want to know that it tastes good on the plate. And over the years, whether it be mutual funds, equities, bonds, other types of investment instruments, as much as people would ask sensible questions, the simple fact is, so I gave you a thousand pounds and you're going to give me one thousand one hundred pounds back. Is that right? And that's the kind of depth that a lot of people have gone to. Yet when crypto came out and as it's blown up over the course of the last 24 months, what we've seen is people having strong opinions towards various coins, whether that be the big ones, the Bitcoins and Ethers and whatnot, or whether it be the smaller ones, you know, the Shibus. People say, it's not real, it's fake. It, it can't be real, you know, what's it based upon? What do you make of people that say that? And do you think that those types of people should stay well away from cryptocurrencies and only the people that think it's an opportunity get involved? You know, there are over, 12,000, 13,000 cryptocurrencies out there. And and yes, I think there's a lot of um, nonsense out there. I think there are um, a lot of um, SIH uh, IT coins out there. Um, and, um, and, and some of them are actually scams to get people into invest something. They pump it up and they take the money out and people are left with nothing. So I think from, from these thousands and thousands and thousands, there are some, there, but there are also some brilliant, amazing projects and not only cryptocurrencies or tokens that are used just for the purpose of paying with things you know there are there are companies behind that you know and what i and i do realize in the in the crypto space i always thought you know in the beginning i thought okay this is you know we're one big community everybody loves each other and you know unfortunately i had to wake up from that that there is a, a lot of division in there a lot of hatred also you know and um, and when i give my my talks or workshops i always tell people look you know if if you become a maximalist of this coin or that coin, you know, it, it, uh, you know, you are putting yourself into, you're limiting yourself, you know, and if, you know, I love Bitcoin, I bought Bitcoin very early, you know, I really like it now. And, but however, I wouldn't dismiss other cryptocurrencies. And I always tell people, look, the next time you're talking about an SHIT coin, about a project, you know, there's, 
Well, we're not talking about the scams. Let's leave the scams out. You know, I, I, I do believe there are thousands of scams, so we're not talking about the scams. Let's talk about the projects. There are people in offices. Um, they, they have, uh, they're, they're working for real money. Um, they are, they are, they have families. They have to feed their families. They're doing an honest job. They have a, they have a good technology. They believe in something. They're working very hard for. It. They're competing with many others, and I believe no matter whether they are successful or not. I think we all need to honor each other for, for, for who we are and what job we do, you know. So, yes, would I buy a coin that, in my opinion, doesn't necessarily look so good with the development process? Maybe not, you know, but that doesn't mean that uh, everything is just really bad. It's not, you know, and I think we need to, I think there needs to be a little more respect towards each other, no matter, you know, what coin we invested in. You know, we're all crypto people, you know, at the end of the day, let's focus on what we have in common and not what, what really separates us, you know. What kind of things do people say to you when you are on your workshops that, that, that are cynical or negative or suspicious about the whole crypto world? What kind of things do they say to you when you're teaching? You know, I actually I have I have this this slide in my in my presentation that I that I in my talk that I have. And I always you know want to hear from people. OK, what is it? Um, in the beginning, I start, okay, what is it all the horror stories that you heard about crypto that you're worried about, you know? And then I have people, you know, telling them I write it down on the flip chart so we can have it, you know, to get into interaction. And, um, of course, people are always worried, um, it's a, you know, it's a scam and there are too many scammers in there. Um, central banks will, you know, um, ban it and, um, you know, you can, you can, you know, there are security risks, uh, you can, you can lose your coins, you, you know, exchanges can shut down and, and things like that. So people are very suspicious. Um, people are mostly, and, and this is, this is not only the people that are, you know, talking in, in, in the workshops about this, but also. I think one of the biggest problems is the what people read in the media, you know, and whether it's on uh, in, in German media, in, in European media, in whether it's some lifestyle magazines or whether it's some really serious the London Times uh, stuff. You many times you you read for the last years you've been reading about crypto scams, you know, you're reading about. Um, you know, somebody was, uh, you know, doing uh, money laundering, somebody was doing some, uh, you know, ransom for some kidnapping. Um, and even now this, this whole crypto thing has gotten so mysterious, it's gone into Hollywood and then you on Netflix and you read, okay, so, uh, you know, the queen of the South is all of a sudden dealing with Monero as, you know, and it's like, you know, it, it doesn't give it a good, it doesn't give it a good taste, you know, and people always like, you know, like, mm, you know, crypto, well, when I talk to people, not only in the workshops, but in my normal life, you know, people are like, oh, I've heard about all these things, you know, and money laundering, that's not so good and all this. And then, but then I, I always specifically ask people and in the workshops to put this down and I want to debunk that. And one of the things that, that I'd like to debunk with you now is, is that, uh, when it comes, for example, to money laundering, right? Uh, when people talk about crypto being used for money laundering, yes, that's correct. That's happening every day. However, if you zoom out there and you you actually read the official statistics, not by some some third world party, something, but by the by the World Bank or the IMF or the whatever, eighty percent of global money laundering is done by the banks. Period. And not just some banks in Africa or banks in South America, you know, like, oh, some shady country. No, that's not correct. It's our HSBCs. It's our Deutsche Banks. It's our JP Morgans. It's our BBVAs and whatever they are. The, the, the top banks in the world. And this is part of that whole scam thing. So people, and I sometimes I'm wondering, you know, why is nobody talking about that? You know, it's because it's it's in, it's not in the interest of, of people talking about that because then they would have to look at their own thing. Like, why are these banks still in place? Why have they not been restricted? Why just giving them a few million fines instead of just, why don't you just shut them down? You know, because it's, it's still such a powerful sector. Um, so 80% of the global money laundering is by, done by the banks. From the remaining 20, only very small fraction is actually done with cryptocurrency. And um, there, there, uh, there was a study that just came out a, a few weeks ago in the United States that uh, from all crypto transactions globally in 2020, um, only 0.3 of them were done, uh, you know, illegal activities were done with that. 0.3% for millions of transactions. And that's also accounting for 99.7% uh, of all crypto transactions 
are legitimate. They're legitimate. So I always tell people, look, you know, please, next time your friends, your family, your neighbor, your coworker comes to you and tells you that, please tell them that, you know, please put it in the right perspective here, you know? Yeah, that makes a very good point. I, I really do believe that. You know, people have said to me over the years, oh, there's some really bad people in your industry or whatever the industry was. And I'm like, there's really bad people in every industry. There's majority of them are good, but in every industry, whether that's lawyers, um, pharmaceutical companies, whether that's banks, there's bad people everywhere. It just means that you have to pay attention and learn uh, a bit more than you would normally so that you can understand a bit more and not be taken along for the ride for the ones that do scam. But remember, they're few and far between. You know, I hear people talk about, um, I have my credit card cloned. I hear people say that. I've never had my credit card cloned, touch wood. You know, have you ever had it? It's never happened to me. Um, and it, but it's like, you know, when one person does it and they find somebody else that might have been on the same journey as them, all of a sudden it's like it gathers a head of steam, you know, and I spoke to him and I spoke to him and before you know it, our community knows someone that had their credit card cloned. And it's just, um, I know it takes place, but it's just not a common occurrence. If I was to, to, to sit on one of your webinars or seminars and, and, and learn what you do, what, what would you be teaching me at one of those events? In the, um, in the initial talks that I do, um, I want to give people an overview of, um, you know, not only about Bitcoin cryptocurrencies, I always talk about um, who's adopting them. And because the, 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 there's only 1%, like roughly 1% of the world's population are in crypto at the moment. And the big majority of the others, they kind of looking at it and like, oh, maybe. And then there are still big majority that are like, no, never in the world. And and, and because of all the reasons that we talked about, you know, the, the whole negative image about it. And so I'm trying to give people the idea, look, if you want to invest into something, you need to know about it. And you need to not just know about it today, but, you know, you need to stay on it, stay on what's happening with all these different projects. And so I give people the overview of, um, you know, what Bitcoin cryptocurrency are, um, what... Um, how they're being adapted right now. And I've been basically quoting things from the last nine years or something that I've been writing down, um, you know, from the big, you know, from the retailers to the, to the banks, from the, you know, private investors to insurance companies, the countries, the cities and all of that. Um, I always talk, uh, also talk about the, the blockchain technology because I, I do believe uh, not only Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is, is the, one of the biggest wealth transfers that has ever happened. And because of that, it, it presents a very great opportunity for people, in my opinion. Um, maybe one of the biggest that we've ever seen here, ever. And But also, number two, I also believe that the blockchain technology, which is right now being adopted in over 50, 60, 70 industries around the world, really does have the potential to really change something. And I'm not saying it in a, like, oh, let's change the world and all oh, we live in, in our happy ever after. I'm, I'm, you know, technology does change the world and has the potential to to really erase a lot of, especially manipulation and and fraud and corruption and and this is where um, the blockchain technology, in my opinion, is just going to do some really cool stuff, and um, so I, I always love talking about that. And then when people always ask me and, and like, why do you think our cryptocurrency is so hot at the moment? And I said, of course, it's, uh, you know, it's trendy, it's NFTs, like, ooh, Paris Hilton and, uh, you know, The Weeknd and Snoop Doggy Dog. And what is an NFT? Oh, cryptocurrency is very cool. You can make a lot of money. You're going to be rich tomorrow. Uh, it's fast, it's cheap and all of that. That's one aspect. But what I always tell people, and it, it starts with that actually quite lengthy, it's the, the reason why this is happening, you know, and not only because it's so trendy, but it's because what's been happening in the world of uh, business and finance around the world. Um, we are, as you know, you've been you've been there, you know, we are um, we are living in a world of zero or negative interest rates. Does it get better? No, it doesn't. Um, so uh, we live in a world of an accelerating uh, an inflation, you know, 4% in Germany that hasn't been in there in 30 years. Um, United States, 5%. Argentina, 51%. It's a G20 country, by the way. People are freaking out in Argentina. They're trying to get their money out of the country. It's not possible. And um, so inflation is a big part. And one thing is always like, we, some things are so normal to us that we don't even think about it. For example, like I got my first bank account with Deutsche Bank in um, I think it must have been September two thousand uh, September nineteen ninety two right, and ever since I started this, I've always paid banking fees. 
and we never questioned it. We get annoyed about it, like, oh, you know. So I've just come from a from a big trip around the world, and I just looked at my credit card thing, and it's like, oh my god, we're paying dozens of fees. We're not even aware of it or not, and it's just normal. Nobody questions it because we didn't have a choice. And then, you know, the thing that I told you about the whole manipulation in the banking world—that's it's a systematic fraud away from uh, you know around the you know authorities around the the rules and regulations and who has to pay this us and then the the excessive uh, global money printing which has been like crazy in the last year itself because of covid and everything so you got all these factors in the world and people are really worried about their money people are you know globally you know and of course there are different uh, differences in different countries and all of this we know this but basically people are going to work every day they're earning their money, they're paying their taxes, more or less, in more places, and then they're taking it to the bank. They don't get any interest for it. In Germany, there are over 400 banks already charging negative interest rates, so they actually have to pay for keeping their banks their money there. At the same time, the inflation is eating away 5%, 4%, 6%, 9% in, in Russia. And then um, while the, 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 the banks are taking the money and doing the Rodeo Wild Wild West and actually making money with your money and at the end of the day, you are the one who is, who is screwed. And I think people are really waking up from that. And, uh, and, and I hope it's, um, it's not only the institutions that are drawing their money out of everything that is written on paper. I really hope that's the, that the people are actually you know, doing this. And, and, and one of the reasons why I get so enthusiastic about talking about crypto and, and blockchain is, you know, there are a lot of, um, the, the, the whole wealth distribution on the planet, in my opinion, is completely, completely wrong. And uh, when you look at the, the, the richer European countries, um, you know, Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, and all of this, um, the Netherlands, the UK have been or had been colonizing the world for, for hundreds of years, you know. And we, they've been looting the, the, the rest of the world, South America, um, Africa, Asia, for hundreds of years. We're talking about thousands of trillions. And that's why there are so many beautiful palaces in, in Barcelona, in, 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 uh, in Madrid, and in, in, in Lisbon and everything. But what's happening with, with crypto now is it's almost like it's like a, like a, like a clean white canvas. And everybody, even the, 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 the smaller nations, they have a chance now to really do something. And all it takes is a person that is a that is a visionary to seize the opportunity and a doer at the same time, like the guy from like from uh, um, El Salvador, for example. Yeah. I mean, he announced that he was going to get into crypto in, into Bitcoin as a legal tender in May at a conference in uh, in in Florida, and they started I think on was it September seventh or something. So within four weeks, about three million people were owning Bitcoin. You know, so all of a sudden, all major Food chains, airlines, everybody is accepting cryptocurrency. And what does this do to the country? It was like a huge uproar all, the one, all around the world. People all of a sudden realizing, let's go and invest there. Let's set up crypto ATMs. Let's uh, invest in businesses, buy properties and all of this. So a huge flood of money is going into the country now, uh, creating business, creating revenue, creating um, income, profits, and generating GDP. So when I see the example of, uh, of that, um, the other day I was interviewed, the interviewer was asking me, so what if you had the chance, if you could talk to our central banks, what would you tell them? And I said, well, I would say, give it a frame, give it a rule and regulations. You know, we're not talking about wild, wild west, everybody does crazy and all this. No, give it a framework, but don't suffocate it. Don't, you know, don't throw it down the bus. Give it a framework and let it flourish. And then you will see, and you have uh, pockets around the world where this has been very successful, like Malta, for example. You know, Malta was in the European Union, it was sort of like not doing really well for many, many years. And all of a sudden the president said, OK, let's let's get into, uh, uh, um, you know, let's make our economy um, accessible for blockchain, not only crypto, but blockchain com uh, com uh, companies around the world. And this is what they did. And they came. And they created work, they created revenue, GDP, and uh, and this has been a very good example. So I think uh, it's a it's a good point um, in for for other countries to follow suit, you know, and not only the big ones. Well, you've got you you have to you have to consider though 
I don't know, whether it's Nigeria, Zimbabwe, or many countries in developing in the developing part of the world, they have very weak currencies, don't they? And so when you have you saw Zimbabwe go from, you know, the, the Zim dollar down now to pretty much only the US dollars used there, it Bitcoin is ideally placed to take over that currency in a country like that. I've heard Nigeria is going to adopt it as well. There's, there's, there's probably 50 countries that, that could do a lot better having it. I mean, Venezuela is another example. Hyperinflation problems exist there. So I agree. The average man on the street is just trying to get his head around Bitcoin. The average man on the street is just trying to understand how a crypto miner can get paid for mining crypto. They just try to get their head around it let alone all of the other coins. And I think, I think maybe it shouldn't be called cryptocurrency because I don't think it is currency. I think it should be called something else as probably you'd agree. But then they're now hearing about NFTs being banded about. And the non, I know that word, token, I know that word. What on earth does fungible mean, you know, in the NFT? What, what is a fungible of anything? So people are busy trying to work out what on earth is there. Then they're now saying, Oh, Facebook are about to invest X squillion billion dollars into the metaverse. And now you can buy property in the metaverse. You can dress your avatar in the metaverse because that's the future. When you, we've always seen technology move at a pace, but it seems to me that technology is moving so quickly now that the average man on the street is always going to be challenged to keep up with what's going on. How would you advise the average man on the street to go about learning, go about learning at a pace that is palatable and not becoming, because I think that one of the problems is it's intimidating when you don't know much about so much and yet there's more. So what advice would you give? Um, I completely agree. I think the most important thing is education, 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 you know, um, a lot of people are starting by themselves. There's, there are no courses, there are no universities, there are no anything about it. And uh, I also completely agree with you. The, 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 the wording in this space is so new um, that sometimes I have, a, you know, I have a workshop with, with uh, 30, 40 people from, from 30 different countries. And then you talk about an, uh, a two-factor authentication. Or you talk about something like a, um, um, what is a private key? Or, you know, these, all these names, people are like, oh my God, I've never heard about it, you know? And it's so, it's very hard for them. And it's almost like, you know, I always use the example. Do you remember in the, in the, in the late nineties when you, when you first opened up your computer, like the first, like the first computer you had to remember when you opened that up? Yeah. Because I remember very well, I, I came back from, I, I was living in, uh, in in LA, in Los Angeles, California. Came, um, I went to Best Buy's, um, took all my money ahead, got this really thick Toshiba computer. And then um, got this little modem, you know, people don't know what a modem is these days. And it was like, ding, 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 ding. And it was opening up. So all I saw on the screen was this, all this advertisement of Yahoo and AOL and all of that. And I had, I didn't have any clue what I was doing. And I was trying to be smart and thinking like, okay, what would other people now do? What are they doing? What are they thinking? They, are they more advanced than you? Are they more, are they cleverer than you? I had no idea. And this is how I felt when I first did my first Bitcoin crypto buying. I was like, oh man, you know, don't tell anybody what you're doing there because I'm just happy that this works. You know, you're, you're sending your money somewhere and you never know whether it actually gets there. Um, so what I would tell people is um, really try to educate yourself. Um, and, um, I'm not, you know, trying to promote my, my workshops here cause I'm already have enough work anyway. But what I would say is try to find somebody that you trust, um, who, where you can learn, you know, um, and, and, and what I teach people is the beginning before we even start with cryptocurrency buying and all of this, I always tell them, look, number one thing is security, security, security. Um, and people are like, why security? Because. In 2020 alone, there were over 400,000 crypto scams. It's such a new technology. People don't have a clue and they're making so many mistakes. 
they are downloading their wallets. They don't know which wallets they're downloading. They don't write down their, their 12 words or they write them down and they miss them. And then they forget their passwords. They get never into their wallets again. I have, I'm getting phone calls and emails from like almost every day from people all over the world asking me like, okay, I did this and that. Well, how get out of, how do I get back into my wallet? I said, well, do you have this and that? And I said, no. Well, is there somebody else who has this information? No. Well, then I'm sorry, but you will never see your money again. Um, I have friends in, in Czech Republic. Um, they, um, I, you know, they asked me, oh, you know, can we, you know, which coin would you recommend? And I said, well, you know, I got this. It's doing really well. If you want to get something, you can buy it here and there. But make sure when you get the wallet, write down the, the 12 words, write down their password, save it somewhere securely. About a year later, um, the, the, the few thousand euros they invested went up to over 500,000 or something. And they, so they contacted me and said, okay, so how do we get back in our wallet? I said, well, you just have to take your password. And then um, they said, well, uh, we can't find the password. I said, okay, well, that's that's not so good. But uh, if you have your, your uh, mnemonic phrase, the recovery phrase, it's no problem. You just download the wallet somewhere else and you get into your wallet. And they said, well, well, we don't have it. And I said, well, you know, must have, you, you, did you write it down or did you do a screenshot, which I told you not to do, but did you write it down somewhere? And they said, yeah, but we have to look for it. So they were looking for it and looking for it, looking for it, and they couldn't find it. So they can see exactly on the blockchain how much money they have in there but they will never see it again. And this is what I teach people. I said, I teach people um, how to make themselves um, in, invisible, uh, how to, to secure their computer, number one. People, people, are, people are not using VPNs. People are using um, crappy uh, um, uh, browsers where they're being tracked and then they're all of a sudden receiving advertisements and emails and phone calls from spammers because of what they do on the internet. So I, I tell people to become uh, invisible and invincible, become a private bank because there you are a bank. You can't just call up your bank and say, look, I, I made this, you know, I made a, a big mistakes. I sent it somewhere. Can you get it back for me? It's not working, as you know, it, it doesn't work. So people have to take on their own responsibility, step by step learning. Be very careful what you do and especially don't fall for the scammers. Um, I'm, I'm amazed how how many scams and how many thousands and thousands of scammers out there that are trying every possible way that are trying to you know push every possible emotional mental button in people to get them to release their their cryptos and people doing this every day millions are losing their money you know it's insane so i i would t i would tell people um make sure that you are safe with your computer and everything first um and then go step by step and don't listen to what other people say do your own research don't don't listen to what your friends, your neighbors said. Go and get this coin and do this and do that. And I heard, oh, I heard this thing and the new ICO. And then people put their money in and then they never see it again. As I always say, do do your own research. If you don't know what to do, ask somebody for help. Um, and then at the end of the day, do your analysis, your technical analysis, and then um, and you read everything about it and then make a conscious decision connect your head and your heart and your stomach and say, okay, now I'm buying this coin. I've read everything about it. I know everything about it. I have a really good feeling about it. And I'm staying in touch with the, with the project on, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, with the official accounts and not the fakey ones. And then, so I know what's happening there. And then I see uh, what, what's happening. Yeah. Okay, good. A couple of last questions for you. Number one, um, let's say, let's say they've, 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 they've understood it, they get an understanding of the blockchain, they now understand more about crypto and so they're, they're keen to get started. First of all, how much money should people invest? Is it large amounts they should invest in the beginning? And secondly, should crypto be um, an asset class people trade or hold for the long term and not worry about it, you know, put, put, put however much money into it and just leave it for 10 years and look at it then? What do you think? Um. I think what, what what I do is I've been basically I've been a hodler for the last eight nine years, um, and now I've hodled enough. I'm I'm kind of thinking I need to sell something, um, so I'm I'm planning on selling uh, some of my some of my crypto at the end of this bull market, whenever that's going to be. Um, however, the next thing is like, but where am I going to put it in the bank and then have the the value of the money you know go down every month? No, I don't want to do that. So we got to be thinking about what we're going to do with this. So my strategy has always been. Um, holding, um, buying more when the project is good, um, mining and staking and DeFi 
and basically creating this this massive passive secure way of increasing your wealth not in the short period of time but in the longer term you know um a lot of they're very successful traders out there however 90% of all traders are losing money everything every single day and um the it's it's not hodling is not only a, a very a very good strategy to keep your heart in a in a good healthy place but also it uh, you can actually enjoy life you know and i think that there if you are trading uh do day trading and everything i always tell people you know go to a real good workshop learn it and then have a demo account and then be very very careful don't get greedy and then you have to think about okay do you want to be you know rich quick and just take a major risk but that risk could also lead to the fact that you lose a lot of money so I don't I don't follow that strategy without saying it's good or bad. I just okay, it's not my thing. I really go with a with a long term, and that has served me served me really well. And and this is what I also teach people, but also giving people the space to decide for themselves. You know, I think that's important. Okay, good. And currently, we're seeing the price of Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc., doing really well. We're in the middle or or in a bull run at the moment. There is speculation and talk about it going to 120,000, some say even higher than that, and this is Bitcoin. Um, what do you, if you were to give your professional opinion, what do you think is going to happen to Bitcoin between now and the end of the year or now the end of the first quarter of next year? What kind of um, bear market is likely to follow or correction is likely to follow in your opinion? So what advice can you give around that? Um, you know, I've been saying this uh, for for since the last um, bull market uh, peaked, and I I stand up to to that. I uh, and of course I could be wrong, and it doesn't matter, um, because I look at it at the long term. I think that Bitcoin seriously has the potential by the end of the year, beginning of next year, whatever February, March, or something, to be, uh, you know, at least a hundred thousand to, or even up to four hundred thousand or longer. You know. I honestly think that there's a great potential in that. If uh, if Bitcoin does what it did in the past, then um, after it reached its all-time high, um, it went up 20 times. So there's definitely, um, um, you know, there's a great possibility that it goes up to two, three, four hundred thousand per Bitcoin. When I look at the amount of money that is being printed right now, except uh, what well, maybe one thing before I answer your question, right? At the beginning of World War Two. For, from 19, 1945 to about 2008 to Lehman Brothers in about a period of 63 years global debt um, and creation of money went up to uh, about 55 trillion public debt more or less 55 trillion US dollars right when Lehman Brothers came within 12 years 12, uh, 2008 to, to 2020 um, that amount went up to about 277 trillion so let's say roughly th four four and a half times than it was created in 63 years was created in 10 years so that alone was a major jump but then came COVID 19 entire countries were shut down everybody went out of jobs economies were shut down blah 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 everything another 30 percent of these 233 uh, 277 trillion were added in just one year it's completely gone insane so with all that money being going around there um, I wouldn't be surprised that that we actually hit that target, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand. But that wouldn't be the end of the road. Um, you know, right now there's about one percent of the global population in crypto, about roughly 130 million. Interestingly, is that the that the nations of the you know the nations where the people hold most of the cryptocurrencies are in India, United States, and um, and interestingly. Um, in the in the top five or ten, they are some of the leading countries with the highest inflation. So people are consciously or unconsciously pulling their money out of the fiat system that doesn't really that is not really there to begin with. Because as we know, there's only like five to ten percent of money left in in all the banks in the world anyway. So people are taking the money from there, put it into crypto, and um, and interestingly, people don't don't smell they they smell something is coming. So coming back to your question, I think the um the possibility that that the that the bear market after that and i'm sure that there will come one it might not even take three years it might not even be um two years it might only be one year it i think we're at this at this point where crypto is really going into mainstream with all the nft craziness 
with um, with Starbucks accepting it, with uh, AMC theaters, Dogecoin and all of this. People are becoming really aware of all that crypto stuff and they really like it. And and the retailers, they love it because they realize when when we start accepting cryptocurrency, um, we are actually making more money because people want to spend it because it's become something cool to do. So I wouldn't be surprised if we would go from this 1% of the global population to 2, 3, 4, 5% very quickly. And when that happens, there might not be a long uh, bear market after all. And I saw this very, uh, very interesting statistics, um, uh, this, this very cool chart the other day. And it actually talked about that there's a possibility that we just went through the bear market between uh, the official bear market between May and, and September. What if the bear market isn't coming, but we just passed it and now we're going, we're going to fly. I don't know. A lot of crystal balls involved in here. Thousands of traders. You know, in Germany, we have a saying when, um, uh, you know, everybody watches a, a game of the national um, team or in, in soccer or in the uh, some favorite team, Bayern Munich, whatever. And then we have a saying in Germany, we have uh, 82 million people living in our country where it would say, oh, we had, we have 82 million trainers, coaches in our countries because everybody knows it better. And I would say the same for the crypto market. I think everybody uh, always, of course, wants to be right. You know, it's always nice to be right and nobody likes to be wrong. So I just put it out there that who knows? I don't know. It could be possible we reach two, three, four hundred thousand and then maybe we even go beyond there and then maybe have a short break, um, which might not be as long as we think. And then we carry on because um, after every bear market comes a bull market and the next thing I think will be will be going much wider and, and and because of all what's happening in the world right now I wouldn't be surprised if the if, if Bitcoin and crypto would be moving much much higher and I um, I've just you know maybe just one on the sideline I've uh, 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 how crypto can work I invested about one thousand five hundred dollars in in a, in, a, in, a, in a particular coin in in March right um, and 1,500, basically, uh, it was like half uh, about a week later. And I was like, oh, you know, bad decision. Not to meet, you know, <laughs> I was like, no, you know, you should have known better. But I made a conscious decision. I said, OK, I'm going to get it. If it goes, it's OK. And then I looked at it about six weeks later and it had gone up to over 470,000. I was like, I almost fell off my chair. I was like, oh, my God, you know, this is freaking me out. And uh, and, and it's it's gone up to to. Just one that one particular uh, coin has gone up to almost a million now, you know. So there's a lot of possibility in the crypto space. But what I always say, do your own research. Um, be very careful what you do. Set up your, your security and everything and do your diligent work. Don't to listen to what other people say and don't get greedy, you know, and slowly but surely and then then do this. So, yeah, makes sense. Everything, makes is, sense. everything is possible. Fantastic, Sebastian. It's been great talking to someone with as much knowledge as you on the show this evening. You've answered a lot of questions I think lots of people have around the crypto markets. You're going to be running a course here fairly soon. Is it is it taking place fairly soon where people can come and learn from you? Um, I do different um, I do different kind of courses, um, although the the whole uh, setting up crypto uh, infrastructures is now really accelerating. So I'm I'm taking a pause. I have a um, the the last beginners class online is uh, this Saturday, um, but I do um, uh, on an underground uh, uh, um, mastermind in Dubai on um, the weekend of uh, three days. What is it? November twenty sixth to twenty eighth or something. So okay. beginners class, the last one will be uh, in a few days and then the, the other one will be uh, down on the ground in, uh, in Dubai. Okay, excellent stuff. We'll make sure that people get the dates for that. Sebastian Hoot, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming to join us on the show. Thank you so much for, for letting me on here and letting me talk. And um, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> and um, thanks everybody for listening. So let's have a think about this for a second. When you're listening to a crypto expert, talking about it, think about how cautious he is being as he talks about it. Get educated, learn more about it, don't just jump in. Understand that there are risks involved, understand there's volatility involved. Don't listen to the negative naysayers. There's a lot of people out there that will be talking negative about crypto that have never even bought or invested in it themselves. So it's really important to understand that. As always, to try and bring people to this episode of this show that can teach you so that you can understand, really understand in detail what goes on 
in the world of crypto. So make sure you follow Sebastian. If you want to learn from him, then make sure that you go and register for his courses. You'll get some benefit from there. I mean, the education's there for him to offer. So please take him up on that offer. It will be valuable to you. And even if you're not ready to invest right now, get yourself armed with the knowledge and you can take advantage of that. For this episode, we'll call it a day. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you on the next episode of the Spencer Lodge Podcast. Okay, hopefully you enjoyed the episode of the show. So much to learn from people like Sebastian, and this is a really important space. So if you're getting benefit from it, make sure you let me know. If you're listening to this on iTunes, please give me a five-star rating, please. It will make such a difference. And if you're listening to this on any other podcast app, then please leave us some love. Give us a like, give us a follow, whatever you can do. The more that you do that, the more that other people get to benefit from this content too. I will see you on the next episode. So it's always important to mention people that you partner with and partners for the podcast are Najahi events and Najahi tribe. Now Najahi sounds like an unusual word and it is, but it's Arabic for my success. And Najahi have brought some of the world leading public speakers, motivational speakers, inspirational leaders across to Dubai over the course of the years and Abu Dhabi, mind you. And Najahi brought, I don't know, people like Tony Robbins, ever heard of him? Okay, Nick Vujicic, no arms, no legs, no worries. Lisa Nichols, Prince EA, Jay Shetty, uh, Alicia Keys, and people like this. And they bring them in and they run events. And from those events, we go and we learn from these incredible people. On top of that, they launched the Najahi tribe recently, where they have a collective of the world's greatest trainers, that literally you can join, become a member of, take advantage of a training from all of these different people, like real experts in their field. I've got a sneaky suspicion I might be one of them as well. But anyway, (laughs) hopefully you will go and check them out for me because you enjoy these episodes of the podcast. And remember, it's always team effort and I can't do it without the support of these people. So go check out Najahi Events, N-A-J-A-H-I events.com. I'll see you soon.